Uh, hello and welcome to a slightly unorthodox version of the week in review. Uh, I'm SD Wickets. I'm joined by Luke Perry, um, who is currently driving us down from Manchester. We've uh, just been up with Bournebrook for the uh, SDB conference up in central Manchester. Um, and yeah, we're, we're heading home. Luke, welcome. Yes, I think this is the first time we've broken sort of two records here. First time we recorded the week in review in a moving vehicle. Second time it's just you and me in person. Yeah, I've recorded in person with, with Michael uh, twice, I believe. But yeah, never never in a moving vehicle and, and never with yourself. Um, yeah, it, it's been it's been quite an interesting day or so for us here at Bournebrook. Um, having just launched our, our second publication through the Bournebrook Press, um, we've probably received, oh no, say probably, definitely received the most mainstream attention of anything we've, yes. we've ever done ever in that the telegraph uh lockdown skeptics lbc have all shown an interest in this pamphlet written by adams uh abolish the arts council which is just which is just, just phenomenal for us um but yeah all in all it's, it's it's been quite a good weekend um we uh went drinking with uh, william clouston um I sold a copy of our, our book of poetry to Ron Little. Um, I read some poetry at, at the conference, um, which was completely terrifying as it was the first time I'd done public speaking while sober. Um, yeah, all in all, it was uh, quite a fun weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend. And um, so the Bournebrookers, we very rarely meet up, so we're all scattered through all parts of the country. But me and you were, were of course, in East Anglia, and we've had to, through rail strikes and just sheer geographic distance and cost, have had to uh, tail it on the motorway. And of course, the, the two Michaels are uh, in the Birmingham area, so they, they got off lightly this time around. And Ma- and Ma- Mario's down in the West Country. No, he, Ma- he was... Mario is just completely shielded off from yeah, us he, completely. But he, we, he was we, never getting there. I, I, we can't even sing Vera Lynn. It's, we haven't even met him before, so <laughs> I don't. I don't know if he ever will because it's it's just so hard to get to that part yeah. of the country that it's, it's just. Speed camera ahead. Yeah, that may happen occasionally. The sat nav may occasionally intervene, but um, yeah. So we're driving on the motorway, and uh, this has been a, this, is, this topic has kept uh, coming up between us on the drives up. How so much of England? What once would have been, you know, ro- rolling hills and, and rural charm is just this anonymous grey concrete tunnel vision yeah. dystopian nightmare. Yeah. Gonna, gonna put on my uh, James Jenner Jameson voice. I coined the term um, dystopian tunnel vision. I want a quarter when anyone says it. Okay, I, I can't do accents, but the point still stands. <laughs> so. I mean, I noticed this first through through my commute. Now, my commute is from a, um, a town in Cambridgeshire to Cambridge. Now, if you ever live in that part of the world, you must know it is a commuter sink. You, you are completely dependent on a car, mm. and you must drive to places, either that be to the shops for a 10-minute drive to Tesco's, to a retail park, maybe in Biggles Road or Milton Keynes, to get, you know, your clothes, or to work, whether you drive to Cambridge, Milton Keynes, or you take the... Um, Real bullet and uh, commute down to London on the train, and um, well, of course you can work from home, of course, which is probably the best option. So I drive about half an hour through very nice country roads. We go past farms, open fields. It's absolutely glorious in the morning sunshine. But driving in a car, it's 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 this metal box, and it's like you're in a submarine, where you're in such a, a 
in um, a land that's not fit for, that shouldn't exist in the environment around you. The submarine, of course, is an artificial instrument that keeps humans alive underwater. I'm supposed to be, you know, walking along, the, walking along these fields in the sunshine with my dog. But no, I, I can't, for safety reasons, of course, I can't even gaze upon the landscape. And uh, this was the most potent example we uh, have just passed, Wicket, and that was when we were driving through the Dales. <laughs> now, uh, I was loving it. I was thinking, oh, this is such a lovely view. Yes, and, and, <laughs> and at one point you really raised my blood pressure by saying, oh, Luke, look at it. I'm thinking, I can't stand the lorry. It's 20 feet in front of me. Yeah, this is, this, this is it. So we, we were driving up. Um, on Friday, it's we're, we're recording this on Sunday, hence the, uh, the 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 Monday afternoon release. Um, we're driving up, and yeah, we're going through the Yorkshire Dales, and there was this lovely, like farmhouse cottage with you know lamb and sheep all around, and I, I was just I was just having a great time looking at it, and I, I, I remarked to Luca how how gorgeous the view was. And you just, you, I felt really bad for you, I felt really guilty because... Yeah, still feel guilty. Because I, I was just enjoying this, you know, blissful view of, you know, merry England, that, you know, the, 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 the slivers that still exist, and, and you were just looking dead ahead at this, you know, this uh, complete advent of the last I, century. I have had the same view for the last three hours mm. now. You know, I was yeah. often looking at, you know, an area that's probably been, uh, you know, if, if you remove the uh, the power lines and, and wind turbines, an area that probably looked identical as it does now, you know, 300 years ago, would be more you're looking at just this kind of uh, modern conquest of nature that we call a motorway. Yeah, and um, this is what the United Kingdom is now. It's these these veins of concrete that trickle through the nation, and everything else is, is just bypassed. Now the road we're in. This is the modern Britain, the, the Yorkshire Dales that we see, or, or, or the field, or the fields of Fen. That's old hat now. And uh, I think that now we're on the su subject of sort of transport, we can delve into the, the, the wider problems that are ensuing. Uh, the SCP conference that we were at uh, took place on the day of a rail strike, and I think that uh, one of the speakers with Patrick O'Flynn couldn't attend. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. I think uh, Clouston remarked on the sort of dilapidated attendance but of course it's through no fault of their own really and of course if you haven't a pay rise in three years and it's now cost of living crisis you're going to be slightly ticked off and so my total sympathy is with them yeah it's just it's just getting worse and worse and worse yeah. I mean like I like the reason we drove up is because a the train strike but also we were looking at prices to come up on the Friday and for me to get from um the east coast of Essex up to Manchester would have been about ninety pounds, yeah. which is just you know like uh, that's one way. Yeah, that's one. It, that, that would have been one way. Yeah, I mean we have about one hundred and ten pounds to, to to go the full journey, which is it's just ridiculous. Um, and it's, yeah, not 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 willing to do that. Um, but again, it isn't it isn't just the UK though. I mean, I've seen pictures of America where like. Um, They've, they've sort of destroyed these really quite charming little towns yeah. with really little high streets and, you know, nice mum and pop brick and mortar places and then just put a big old road through it. I mean, it happens it happened a lot in, in Milwaukee. We had all these, you know, really nice... Oh, and uh, there's a motorbike going past us, so we'll... Uh, we'll, we'll let him overtake. That's going to come through. Uh, yeah, I, I just... We're sort of flying blind here because, you know, normally... We're recording in, in you know bedrooms with, with quite little audio 
background audio and you know we're using microphones so it's, it's generally trusted that the audio will, will come out okay but we have no idea how well this actually will sound you know it, 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 please apologize <laughs> i mean it, it could just be completely unlistenable we'll t- only only time will tell um it's worth an effort do you, do you have any more to say on uh, on motorways? Right, we? On motorways. On we're on the A1M by chance. And um, just get into the correct lane. This is, this is distractions that are in play over this podcast. So, one thing I'd like to say is um, the area where we're driving to, which is in rural Cambridgeshire, uh, the bus service that was already on its last legs is being completely decimated. The executioner's axe is falling across the neck. And so um, all these towns and villages that had a bus service to uh, maybe Cambridge, Ely, St Neards, uh, they're, they're completely gone now. And it used, I mean, of course, on local news, we're hearing some of the interviews from the people who will be affected by these people who maybe can't drive for various reasons, can't even afford to drive, because these metal beasts are very expensive. And uh, so they're just saying, yeah, Maya, I'm going to be stuck in a village that has a post office and... It's heartbreaking, really, mm. and it's been progressively getting worse ever since they shut the uh, inter-county railways down. Now, no, we can, you certainly know this. All roads lead to London. Mm. You can only ever get to a town if it's on the London railway or not. Like, I, I could go south and very easily get to Biggleswade or Stevenage, but a town slightly east or slightly west of that, I would have to go down to London and then back up. Yeah, and of course that that has you know cost, impact, time. I mean, I, I used to live in a um, a town where I would have had to get the train diagonally if I was to commute, and so that was just a non-starter from the get-go. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's same here. I mean, if if I wanted to go to Northern Essex from yeah. from from where I live, where I live in South County, I would have to go into London and then back out again, yeah. um, which is annoying because like I like I like to go to the, like you know Tiptree. Uh, Get some, you know, some good jam just you know, from source. Um, yeah. And for, yeah, for that, I, I have to go into into Liverpool Street and then back out again, um, which just seems, you know, considering that I I, I don't drive, um, yeah, it's a complete waste. And even that will cost me about twenty five pounds, thirty pounds, you know. And, and, and realistically, it's about a 30, 35 minute drive. Um, yeah, it's 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 stupid. Um, I think from there we'll we'll move along to the conference itself. Um, in that, so we had quite quite a surreal moment of seeing um, living legend John Cleese speak, um, which uh, it's it's quite surreal because um, I wrote an article about John Cleese about this time last year. That we took to the last the last year's conference, and um, it, it it went down as people assuming that it was a it was a it was a, a hit piece or a slate piece on on Cleese, which it absolutely was not. Um, it was a, you know it was a, it was a piece about you know him being something of a, of a tragic figure, you know, and and the centre of any story of tragedy is sympathy. Right, yeah. to the character, and, and, and that's what it is. And, and I pointed out that, that I held him in very high regard. But it, but with that out of the way, seeing him speak was really really surreal. Yeah. Um, you know, 
because the man, the man is what is 83, 84 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in his speech, he did uh, two very important things. Uh, he didn't mention them all, and he didn't frog march up on stage. <laughs> but um, uh, Cleese, I mean, most of the speakers were brilliant. Cleese was, in his speech, a man who was with himself. There yeah. was need. There wasn't need for any. I mean, he's been acting all his life. There wasn't really need for any you know, forced scripts. He wasn't running off the teleprompter in his head. He, he was just himself. And uh, remark, the favourite thing about him was when he was speaking, and uh, I think he was making a point about how they sent, I don't know, Matt Hancock somewhere. <laughs> First out into his old man laugh. Oh, no, no, no he, he, he says that they, they named Hancock the uh, the Minister of Culture. Yeah. And then just, just broke into just laughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how you know they're human. They have a sense of humour. Yeah. Um... Also, so, so one thing that happened after the conference was I, I, I so we were there selling Sunken Island, our, our uh, collection of poetry, and I, I approached uh, Rod Liddell after the conference, and I, I tried, tried to give him a book for free, and then ended up selling him one for ten pounds. Um, that was <laughs> that was quite something because we saw him last year, and we gave him a magazine, yeah. and he didn't really acknowledge us. Uh, he just all just. Took, took it and, and, and fled and um, this time around we, we managed to get a, a slight chat out of him um, he actually approached me because I, I I very nervously read a poem from from the collection right before the break and after, afterwards he, he approached me and said I, I enjoyed that and then just scurried away for his lunch so um, yeah it, it was surreal it was surreal it's surreal that we're on good enough terms now with with, with William Bruce to sort of sit in the pub and have a drink with him. Yeah, you know. So this is not to stroke our own egos, but it did, when we arrived for the, the first night and we met just the the, the, S, the SDP youth wing, I, I guess, and they all knew us. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I was standing at the bar and someone says you're from the SDP. I said yeah, yeah, we're here for the weekend. And he asked me my name. Oh, I'm of course Luke Perry. He says oh yeah, I know you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously you and I have no delusions of grandeur, no. and you know, we we are aware that, that that we do serve quite a niche community. But I mean, it's still a very surreal experience to be recognised. I mean, because I think what was different with this year compared to last year was that this year we had tags, but the tags just said Bournemouth on them, whereas last year they had our names on them, and people were like, "Oh yeah, I I I've read your articles, or I've or, or I've." I've listened to this podcast, that podcast. Um, it was great. It was great. It was great to just sit down with, with William and just like be able to talk to him off the record or off off recording because he's someone who, you know, I think I first saw him on on trigonometry. Yeah. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy makes a lot of sense, and I, you know, I sort of, um, I never officially joined the party, but I was always sort of, a, 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 I suppose, an affiliate or a friend of the party. Um, but obviously, the only thing keeping me away from it officially was my view on on democracy as as a you know, as a general thing. Um, yeah, but someone you know who who I'd seen on you know a quite large podcast, and then eventually was able to get him onto my own, and was, I felt quite starstruck by him. And now that I you know I've interviewed him maybe four or five times, met him twice now, or two different you know events. Um, he, he's someone who I would now consider to be, you know, a, a sort of a, a not, not, not necessarily a, a friend because, you know, I, I still, you know, be 
know very little about each other, but um, someone who, who I could always talk to, and, and that's quite interesting. That sort of tells me that we're heading in the right direction because, you know, someone that we initially looked up to and, you know, would look, look to yeah. for, you know, and we'd see on big podcasts is now someone that, you know, if I was to see him in the street, I would, you know, we'd recognise each other. Yeah. You know, which is, um, it's quite heartwarming, really. Yeah, I mean, close to now, um, ever since Bournebrook sort of left university, where we have a, a acquired people outside of Birmingham and of course Clouston is one of them a high profile and it's now part of the furniture I mean he, he wrote the foreword for Sunken Island mm, yeah. he invited Bournebrook to two of his conferences now and will certainly be going back next year and he's always intrigued to ask how are we doing yeah and he, so he, he puts all this effort oh, this is just him as a character we can put, put this example with his own party the SDP he could probably gain so much more through, I don't know, a banking job or something, or being involved with the Labour Party, but but no, it's with the SDP. Right, yeah, he, 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 he could have taken the money around, but, you know, he, uh, I believe he works on a, on a, on a, on a parish council um, yeah. up in the northeast, and, you know, he, he does a thing with the SDP. Even, even if everything he's done with Bournemouth, you know, he's risen for us numerous times, he's given, you know, hours of his life to to come onto the various podcasts and, and, and hang out there. Um, you know, be it Your Life in 10 OCP Political Tips though, he's done it all really um, and I mean outside of believing in what, what, we're, what we're trying to do he really has no incentive to do it I no. mean um, it's all you know faith in what we're doing and, and out of the goodness of his own heart I mean you know, we aren't we don't pay him to write for us we don't pay him to come on the podcast we didn't, we didn't you know pay him to bring us to conference and shout us out we didn't pay him to write the forward for Sunken Island he, he, he did it because you know he's a, he's a very decent man who I, I, I'd like to think believes in what we're doing and you know and, and at the very least believes in increasing a, a sort of a community around this and you know and to him you know writing some words or, or coming on a podcast is, is you know is, is no sacrifice which is you know very very commendable um because I mean, uh, I'm not going to name names, but we have approached people in the past who have, you know, um, who without being paid wouldn't give us the time of day. No, you know. And the um, Cluson and the SDP party in general, they are the only representation in this whole country that represents the, you know, the, the salt of the earth, British worker. I mean, that they they're, they're like the centre of, of this magnet and this. Those offshoots of it. One of them, of course, is Bornbrook. Yeah. Another is certainly, you know, the Free Speech Union and the Daily Skeptic. They've been uh, involved in the last two conferences. Yeah. Uh, they were putting up leaflets for the, for the battle of ideas, and, and that's what it's sort of sort of become. It's become sort of a meeting point and a, a growth for the politics. That's I know me and you are not fan of politics, but politics that we can sort of respect yeah. and that yeah. we see well may not have a future though, in terms of political power, but it's certainly that this community and this brotherhood that has found like-minded people across the nation. I mean, of course, um, particularly in London last year, and I know London is easy to get to wherever you land, but, yeah, there are people from all over, from the north, from Cornwall. Yeah, I mean, we... mobile speed camera ahead. We had a really good chat with uh, uh, DP Whetstone uh, after the conference. He, he, he came over to the... Um, to our table in the corner and was, yeah, chatting us. And he, again, you know, like... Um, I, I spoke briefly to Wayne, who um, 
was the first SDB councillor of, of the new incarnation of the party. I mean, he, he's a he's a really you know really brilliant salt of the earth guy. Um, I mean, there are a few things that kind of uh, about conference that I kind of couldn't really get behind. I I, I think that they're, they're sort of their semantic things, you know, like. Um, I think you, myself, Basiris, and Curzon, we, we aren't fans of the word woke. Yeah. Where, where we, we don't use, I suppose, what we would consider to be slightly low-caliber language, like, you know, council culture, woke ideology, yeah. um, SJW, or that's, to be fair, that word's kind of like fallen out of common parlance, but um, you, you know what I mean, those yeah. sort of typical words, I mean, because I, I think they... They trivialise it, you know. When you hear woke, you think of you know some, you know some blue-haired narwhal with a septum piercing, yeah. you know, talking about microaggressions. When really, you know, it it, it isn't and never was that. No. You know, what it is is you know a post-revolutionary regime state. Yeah, um, it's so much more serious than yeah. you know council culture and woke and you know my, and you know trigger warnings and microaggressions and you know that's something like it. It, it is you know the the, the purposeful and blatant destruction of our way of life. I read a piece a few years ago, and the writer was talking about how the, the, the so-called wokies supplanted themselves in the institutions, and uh, of course once that happened they began to impose their will on everyday life, which yeah. has now reached its, uh, its um, complete state, I guess you could say, or is almost there. And but he, he, he made the very um, explicit point, nothing can exist in a vacuum, there will always be something. And so with the deconstructionism and just the decimation of just, you know, Western values, be it, you know, free speech and free thought, and, you know, the the, uh, the adoration of, say, the nuclear family or community. Or, or, even, or, or, even, or even the notion that we are the custodians of where we come from, you know. Yeah. Like we, are the, we are the bridge between the dead and the unborn. Yeah. Our, our, our job is to take the way of life, the yeah. customs, the traditions, the... The reverence for the past, the accomplishments of the past, and preserve them. You yeah. know, um, I I I really enjoyed um, as a part of Emma Webb's speech where she went into that. You know, um, Emma Webb was it was it Joanna? Uh, it was, yeah, it was, she wrote the How Work One. Yeah, it was, it was one of those two where you know, sort of, we we believe that you know that the past is to be you know suspects and you know yeah. conquered and you know. Um, there's arrogance that you know there's nothing to be learned from the past yeah. it's all to be held in contempt it was all barbaric and you know xenophobic and all that nonsense um like yeah that's what that's what i mean by by west by the west yeah. right? it, it's a canon yeah with their that they have ripped the social contract from us so and of course when you uh, come from nothing you shall amount to nothing therefore nothing matters yeah that's that's where you know nihilism and vice initially comes from if there was a strong religious and moral backing of this people still I don't think they would have fallen very easily into you know sorts of alcoholism marijuana and, and all that well yeah that's the thing that you know you're easy you, it's easy to dominate someone who has ultimately no, yeah. nothing nothing left to fight for well they, they have something left which is very powerful they have animal instinct now animal sure. instinct sure. in a, a vacuum is a short-termism and self-centered so that, that's where that's where sort of my lockdown could you know, triumph in, in rhetoric and a public persona for a time. It's, oh, you, these people are a danger to us, you must be locked up, this disease will kill us all. Safety, safety, safety. And that's the, um, 
new civilization really it's it's safety and it's vice and that's where in the destruction of the bastille of western values they had to put up bastille of their own and that was of course where you get the morality please from it, that's that's where you get the microaggressions i think emma webb said they are ultra progressivism is not the cause but the symptom the the cause being the complete desecration of metaphysical values yeah i mean and you, you can go back centuries to find that i mean um and, and that's the part that I really liked about uh, Justin, uh, sorry, Nathan Hawkins' uh, speech. Um, you know, he talks about you know the, the sort of the emptiness of uh, of scientific materialism. Yeah. And how it you know without it there's no wonderment. You know there's no almost there's no magic in the world left. You know uh, everything is explained rationally and without passion. And you know, um, but you you need things to kind of you know. Are, are, are wonderful in sort of a, a literal sense you know you need things that are magical in a, in a literal sense you need wonderment you need to almost you need, you need to not know certain things yeah you need to wonder about certain things because otherwise just life is stale and everything yeah. is like you know mathematical and utilitarian and and, and there's no there's no passion to anything yeah. you know there was an astro astrophysicist who i think worked on voyager too who said, okay, there's what we know about the universe. Earth revolves around the sun. Uh, there's what we uh, what we know we don't know about the universe, i.e. how many how many exactly light years away is um, Beetlejuice, for instance. And then there's what we don't know, what we don't know of. And that's about 98% of planetary science. Yeah. We have, I mean, the Big Bang theory, it is just that a theory. Yes, there is evidence for it in the cosmic microwave background radiation, but all it will take is for a split second to something that will come along that will rewrite the textbooks. Mm. And that, that is where I think you do need that metaphysical meaning because as, as I think I've established, uh, nothing exists in the vacuum. Human nature will always exist. It will always strive for that reason to wake up in the morning. And that's why you may say, you, I think you said the science is you know, well, rational, but of course, last two years has proven science isn't rational. It is very fanatical. And the science, yeah. TM, and that they say that word is gospel to them now, and of course people behind it are you know, highly corrupt. But so you do need, because I mean, I know an evangelical would make this point that you know Isaac Newton, Charles Darwin, and Galileo were Christians. Their pursuit of their work was the understanding of God's kingdom. Mm. Without and without science and without reason, not without metaphysical meaning life becomes worthless therefore why would you want to study the stars what's the point just get drunk on a Saturday night yeah just get drunk have a pill sleep with a stranger yeah. you know yeah what's, what, was, what was the drug from a brave new world it's Soma Soma yeah Yeah. Soma is basically everything because Soma in the novel is just this simple pill that you ingest and you go, go into a dream like state if you're intoxicated in any way shape or form that is basically what it is if you have two three punch you feel a bit weightless because like, I don't know your nerve cells are dying I'm not sure what the exact science behind it is but yeah that's I don't know if it's it's more of a, an escape or an entryway into something if it's the, like the alcohol is a portal into fun yeah or is it escape from the misery of the 9 to 5 or is it both the one bit that about Brave New World today I find the most jarring is, is the scenes where I can't remember his name but the the, the boy who grew up on that uh, that um 
the we grew, we grew up on the reservation. Grew up on the reservation. Uh, when he when he when he comes to, you know, the the, the brave new world, and whenever he interacts with all the sort of the synthetic um, eros of that of the time, like you know, the, the, like the smells and you know the. Um, the moment where where uh, the woman uh, Lenina tries to seduce him, or it's a passage where they they go to the cinema, yeah. and it's it's just an all out sensory assault. It's you know yeah. it's smell, it's taste, it's sound, it's sight. Yeah. You know, and he becomes completely overwhelmed by it. That's almost how it feels sometimes. You know, yeah. as someone who is you know is is nostalgic, is sort of melancholic about modernity. Sometimes. I fall into this headspace where it all just feels like disturbing. It feels like a vision. Like, like I said, it's like last night we we, we went drinking in, in in Manchester. We're never doing that again. And we we, literally, we walked from one pub to the next, and you know you could you could just smell cannabis in the air because the ambulance is flying around. You can see people, you know. Um, Sort of borderline copulating in the streets. You, know, you can see, you know, um, the the game of one night stands being played out, and you know, and loud, aggressive music, techno music, people wearing just bizarre clothes that you wouldn't even think to wear, and it just, it, it it just felt like I'd been quantum leaped forward about fifteen years. You know, yeah. Um, it's 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 a very bizarre, surreal, almost nightmarish experience that I you know I, I, I you know I, I think I was saying to you in the car you know um, I, I really can't wait to go back to my small coastal town yeah. so I, I can't wait to be back in rural Fenland when we were when we were going home in the Uber it was like we were in a, a safari cart driving through the wilderness yeah although lions are much more civilised they that's, go for the neck that's kind of what I felt like you know so, yeah, you just see bloody girls holding up other drunk girls and they're stumbling into a taxi yeah. Boys just, you know, beating their chests like gorillas. Mm. And just the, the sound of screaming, like drunk whales. Yeah. And that's every city centre on a weekend night out. And it, it's, it's, it's completely dystopian. There's just no other way of putting it. Yeah, it does... I do, I do not feel at home there at all. It does feel like... Um... You know, like when when the topic of dystopia comes up, I mean, one of two novels will be referenced, right? I mean, Brave New World or 1984. Like the, the, those are the two sort of benchmarks of of um, you know, and like you know, I think the question often comes, you know, which one was the most accurate? I think it's you know, it's, it's a Brave New World's knocked it out of the park. The yeah, state brought on by the war on terror, 1984. I mean, I mean, listen, yeah. the, the, listen, there are. There is tr- profound truth in both, yeah. say as well as in um, Fahrenheit four five one anthem as well. But the one thing that that Huxley really got nailed down was the role of eros in the imprint in in mass incarceration of the, of the public. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that I think he gets right more than anything is the role of sensory overload and and moral. Um, Degradation and promiscuity, and um, the easy easy availability of oblivion through soma, through you know there are constant. I mean, when in the parts of the novel that that are about the reservations, the people there are are, are depicted as being quite ugly, right? But I mean, obviously, it's relative. Like they would be people who 
just look natural, you know. That yeah. yeah, like you know, they they may have good features, but also they'll have warts and pimples. And, you know, a, a, a nose is slightly too long. Whereas the sense that you get is not necessarily that they're ugly, but that they're normal. Yeah. They're grounded. They're natural. Whereas the people who live in in the metropolis are synthetic are synthetically yeah. attractive. You know, they, they've had a plethora of work done. I mean, you know, the 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 bit where Lena tries to seduce um, I really can't remember his name it's really bothering me yeah, um, I know who you mean yeah the the, the point where she tries to seduce him and he has like a disgust response to it yeah you know because of the way she is the way the way the smells work yeah. so it's completely overwhelming yeah, it's uh, the people on the, on the reservation that they have the imperfections of humanity and they are still human the, the metropoli people no uh, it's the scene is explicitly seen in um where his mother dies. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. basically the pills can't work forever and they quickly degrade and die. And the, the the pod babies as we can call them, they're in their adolescence, they're all shepherded around these dying wards mm. and that's just to say, hey, this is it's to desensitise them to death. It's like, okay, you'll you'll have your fun for fifty years with the drugs and the sex and, and then it's over. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. And of course the choice is put at the end by Mustafa Mond who's hmm. so not really a villain he's just the, the figurehead of the world and it's okay do you want to be exiled to Iceland where you live like a human or do you, do you want to stay here and I think his, his monologue is something like yes I, I, want, I want to breathe and smell the air hmm. I, I want to feel love and pain and I want to feel happiness along with misery yeah I think so because um, I've seen a few articles recently in in you know futuristic journals about how pod babies could be a thing by you know the end of the century or mid-century and i i just think of that first scene yeah. where there's a guided tour of the facility yeah. and they say you know how, how your your social cast and even your interests are determined before you're born yeah. through you know things like neuro-linguistic programming and, and and subliminal messaging and how like the lowest cast are programmed to hate the smell of flowers but love country sports it's 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 just really disturbing, um, you know. And, and again, obviously, I don't believe that we will live in a like-for-like like remake of Brave New World. Certainly not in our lifetime. But we, we will live in a version, you know, like like everything. You know, storytelling is more fantastical than reality, so we will live in a more grounded, more anticlimactic version of it. But I mean, I I, I can see the mechanisms being there. You know, people people will you know because normality will be so far out of living memory yeah. that people will, will know something's wrong but not what and not yeah. what is the right way of living so they will just seek oblivion yeah. yeah a dystopian novel that is never really called a dystopian novel and is something that what we are living through perhaps in a worse version of still is atomized mm. and that was basically michelle Huelbert's complete crusade against a sexual revolution. Now, like all uh, degenerate things, it takes place in France. And it's just the story of uh, four children on, four children, and it sort of carries them on their journey through adulthood, and it will end in complete tragedy. And um, so yeah, they're sexualized from a, a very young age. Uh, the, the two women are sort of, are passed around like meat, basically. Men are only after them for, the, for their bodies and nothing else. And, um, so, shall I spoil it? Yeah, I, I shall. It, it was going this way, anyways. The um, the two women commit suicide because they they reach middle age and thinking, oh, I have lived for nothing. 
what one of the boys who was I think sexually abused at a boarding school and then sort of lived life through the red light districts. He, he's committed to in, an insane asylum. And the last character, the, the main character, Michelle, he um, well, it doesn't explicitly say so, but they're thinking he's progressed through his adolescence, you know, and his adulthood without a family. You know, he's nearly forty. His dearly beloved Annabelle committed suicide, and he drives himself into the sea. And so we live, I remember writing a review about, review about Atomizer a year ago, we live in a culture that is more sexualised, both explicitly and digitally. I mean, at Welbeck's time, when he was writing Atomizer, didn't have Tinder or Love Island. That's now in our, accessible through our pockets. Mm. And that's the dystopia that Welbeck was writing about has only accelerated. And it's, we've seen it all around us from, you know, the meter movement, which was an overreaction against the excesses of human sexuality, to, you know, the, the likes of, well, the reason for it, that Harvey, Harvey Weinstein, you know, was able to have access to plenty of women because he had money and sex was just a commodity to be traded with. That's, yeah, that's where we are. That's kind of, that's kind of something that's quite an interesting trend, is, you know, um, people who are so unwilling to admit, or even pretty don't even see because you know they're 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 blinkered and blinded that you know the uh, the way in which you know men like Harvey Weinstein behaved which you know obviously was fucking evil and you know should, the the guy should have been you know chased out of society for it or at least imprisoned for it was they love to say that these things are you know inherent male behaviors or you know uh, white cis male privilege entitlement or whatever rather than it's the it's consequence of their own revolution it's, it's human nature unbound well it's the consequence of their own revolution you know and, and you know human nature is um, as Hobbes, Hobbes will put it you know, quite brutal yeah. and you know it's it's dog eat dog and, you know, and that sort of thing and um, what led us to transcend that is society you know and, that, and that's yeah. why that's what separates us from the animal kingdom where you know um a male lion will conquer a new tribe and then just slaughter all the cubs. Yeah. You know, which you know is utterly barbaric. Um, with society and civilization, we we transcended that thing. You know, and also we transcended earlier parts of human behavior. You know, human yeah. sacrifice, cannibalism, yeah. um, infanticide. Yeah. Regist- thank, thank, thank you, Christianity. Right, infanticide. Um, even, even even things like you know constant tribal warfare, like. Um, if you if you extrapolate the numbers of the Native American uh, tribal wars up to modern population standards, you'd have about twenty to thirty million deaths. Yeah. You know, um, you know, complete chaos. We we managed to get through through that, but then yeah, through while you know when when we attack the the very moral foundations of Western society, you unleash what came before and what what. Western society was able to transcend and you know and and, and supersede. Yeah. Um, Aristotle talked about the energies of man, so to speak, he, his appetites. And to just use the example uh, with men, men are not I'm not going to say naturally violent, but more tolerant of it and more tolerant of uh, aggression, if need be. And uh, so, a society sort of new, new, not. Well, neutralises that with, say, competitive sports or fighting in a, a, a safe boxing or MMA arena. Although there is risk involved, the um, the bloodshed is much less than what it would have been in the in the wild 
where there would have been legitimate fights to the deaths over minor grievances. I mean, the um, in the, the sort of the aristocratic times, you were a settle something; it would be dueling, and that was, although you know, very extreme and violent for our time, was a way of neutralising its worst excesses. Because if that feud continued, both families would be at war. Yeah, they were they were, they were against two kings. Both kingdoms would be at war, and many innocent would be dead. But no, it's just okay. Two knights are fighting on behalf or for themselves. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think on that note, we'll uh, leave it there for this week. I really hope that um, people listening at home can actually hear what's been said um, in, in this podcast. We'll we'll see. I mean, this may never even see like the last day. I mean, if it's unlistenable, then we just, we just won't, won't bother. But um, if you are listening, I, I hope you've enjoyed. Um, we'll be back again next week for a uh, normal episode of the podcast. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Cheers.